0: Welcome back to another Crypto Daily 3 at 3. What's going on, guys? It is Wednesday, September 18th, and we got a good one today. Uh, First, we're gonna talk about Fed rate cuts and repo um, action to get the market stimulated, what it means for Bitcoin, what people are talking about. Number two, we're going to talk about Binance US's launch uh, with a big surprise. Uh, And number three, we're going to talk about a Bitcoin ETF proposal withdrawal. Um, But let's start on the big topic for today, the rate cuts. So uh, last month, the Fed cut rates for the first time in Bitcoin's 10-year life. um, And now they're prepared to uh, engage in a second rate cut right there so they're going to lower the recommended rate from two to two point five percent which is where it is now to uh, to one75 to 2% um, target. And so this has kind of uh, been anticipated, right? There's been a lot of pressure, as we've discussed before, on the Fed to lower rates, to be more aggressive with its monetary policy. Um, uh, Trump has been tweeting about it and and really exerting all the pressure that he can. Uh, Basically, he's worried about the strength of the dollar compared to the rest of the world um, and what it means. And so the rate cut has been anticipated. And in fact, in a lot of ways, we function in an economy now where uh, it's not just about the rate cuts, but it's about the projections and the Fed signaling uh, what it's likely to do in the future, not just right now, um, that drives markets. Uh, so so that's going on. But that was not the only uh, Fed action this week that we need to talk about. So uh, Pomp captures the essence of it right here. He says, Wow the Federal Reserve has injected over 100 billion dollars into the financial system in the last 48 hours that's more than 50 percent of the total market cap of Bitcoin rather than fix the structural issues they just keep trying to print their way out of this mess Bitcoin rocket fuel um, so that's the that's the standard Bitcoin take which is totally fine but let's figure out what's actually going on so uh, this is from Bloomberg fed prep second 75 billion dollar blast with repo markets still on the edge well what's a repo market uh, this uh, this this op-ed from the um, financial times i think did a really good job of explaining it so the the op-ed is titled, Why is the Federal Reserve Pouring Money into the Financial System? Uh, And it starts, one of the most important sources of financial market lubrication came under severe strain this week, raising concerns that the Federal Reserve's attempt to unwind post-financial crisis intervention may have gone too far. Repurchase agreements, that's what you hear when you hear someone say repo, are the grease that keeps the financial system wheels spinning, allowing different market participants to borrow and lend to each other to cover short-term cash needs. On Tuesday, the wheels stopped turning. The so-called repo rate, uh, which is a different interest rate uh, from the, the kind of the interest rate that you hear people talking about when they're talking about the Fed uh, target interest rate. Um, soared to a high of 10% when it typically trades in line with the Federal Reserve's target interest rate of between 2% and 2.25%. The New York branch of the Fed had to step in to restore order. Um, So there's uh, a lot to get into in terms of, or potentially that you could get into in terms of how this works. And basically the Fed injects money by uh, buying back or borrowing effectively um, the treasury bills from private uh, private lenders or private market actors uh, at an interest rate. And so in that way, it gets cash into the market and can move those uh, bills back uh, when it needs to. And so the interesting thing about this is that this is um, a significant amount of money, right? This is a meaningful percentage of the 800 billion dollars that were spent uh, during the 2008 crisis in terms of kind of financial lubrication and this is a non-crisis moment theoretically so obviously this has a lot of people saying what the hell's going on um, now for some uh, the that that comparison to 2008 is exactly what makes this so interesting so this is analysis from Alhambra Investments uh, they said uh, TAF makes a comeback so this is kind of the um, comparison that you're hearing a lot in uh, is that it's basically TAF 2.0, which is a, obviously a famous program that was uh, put put in the into the system in the advance of the two thousand eight crisis. Um, so you've got you know public market participants who are reading these tea leaves and are not liking what they're seeing, uh, and also you know at least for some, it suggests that this is. Um, you know, too small, too, too. It's not drastic enough. So you've got all of these things going on, uh, and obviously, Bitcoiners are thinking about this as well. And I, and the the reason that I want to talk about this is that uh, there's kind of two dimensions to what Bitcoin or, or looking at what happens to Bitcoin in this context. One is um, the uh, very specific, and it has to do with. Uh, what will happen what will happen from a financial perspective to the price of bitcoin? The second is more just about how is bitcoin discussed what's the narrative of bitcoin and so let 's talk about that second one first um over the last six months in particular, the Bitcoin narrative has shifted pretty dramatically into the realm of the macro, right? Uh, people are speaking about Bitcoin, not just as a kind of technology as in comparison to something like Ethereum, um, but its function or its uh, perceived function or potential function in the, the, the larger markets is as a hedge um, or as, as a potential hedge. Uh, for people who are kind of watching all of these um, indicators uh, happen, right? And watch the kind of unfettered quantitative easing uh, that continues to characterize monetary policy and basically just the the drip, whether slow or fast, of money from um, central banks, right? So uh, that's been the narrative shift a little bit, right? It's it's kind of not just we're talking about a store of value, but we're talking about a significant alternative store of value uh, in the context of larger market instability. At least that's the promise that's the, the that's the question is people are interested in Bitcoin's potential for that role. Um, so you saw Marty Bent focused on this uh, the, the repo action yesterday. He wrote about this idea of a coming liquidity crunch. Um, you had uh, a Hans over at Ikegai who's basically putting it in Bitcoiner terms, right? So he says, uh, he's kind of doing his satirical take on the news, US budget deficits, the solution according to longtime observers would be for the Fed to continue to inject cash on a regular basis. And he says, yes, the Fed is forced to finance our budget deficit because Wall Street doesn't have enough cash. And the solution is to inject cash. That way we never have to worry about balancing the budget because we can simply inflate away our problems at the expense of anyone who owns our debt. The only problem, the whole world owns our debt, including us. Pay it back in monopoly money, I say. By the way, have you heard about this thing called Bitcoin? There's a hard cap of 20 million, and nobody can print more. Um, so again, Hans clearly, in a satirical way, really pointing out that the Bitcoin hard cap is the um, is is an answer to the sort of unfettered money printing that that continues to characterize policy. Um, like I said, there's another dimension to this, which is what will happen to Bitcoin's price. So CoinDesk has someone who kind of follows price action who wrote about this, Um, Delphi Digital, actually uh, in a much longer thread about uh, the larger market context, also made mention of what they've seen previously. So they said, while the relationship is far from perfect, Bitcoin tends to perform well during periods characterized by lower equity market volatility. For example, the parabolic BTC run-up in 2017 coincided with one of the least volatile years on record for US stocks. Um, So the the point here is that uh, it's, It's not clear to me, um, and I don't think it's clear to a lot of people exactly how short-term Bitcoin's price will be affected by this. Um, And I think this is an important thing to kind of Break apart is uh, the idea of Bitcoin as a macro asset that responds to these macro factors um, in a clear and predictable way based on what happens versus uh, this idea of Bitcoin as a a larger systemic and generational hedge against macro markets on a on a medium and longer time frame. Right, those are two very different things, Um, and I think it it doesn't behoove us to uh, connect them or or to bundle them up together um, when they're when they're actually two. Separate phenomenon. Um, so I guess that the one other, other important thing to mention in the context of all of this kind of repo news and the idea of uh, um, a uh, you know another Fed rate cut is uh, just how much. The mediums through which we're receiving this news prioritize um, extreme takes on it, right? So uh, Alex Kruger writes, uh, he had a, a great kind of, like another satirical tweet about this, but this time um, his, his satire is about uh, the, the way that we're responding to this news, right? So, uh, and he's talking about financial Twitter, um, Fintwit, not so much crypto Twitter. So, he's, so he says, Fintwit, the Fed is a disaster, always manipulating prices, also Fintwit repo rate spiking as the fed watches idly is evidence of the fed losing control also fin twit the Fed acting to address the rate spike is evidence of the Fed losing control. So his point, obviously, is, is this. Someone says, I'm not really sure what point you're trying to make. And he says, I've been reading for months about this impending disaster. The Fed can address these liquidity issues. It hasn't lost control, but has rather chosen to wait before acting. Restarting repos is not a big issue and neither would be restarting QE. Important? Yes. Disastrous? No. So Alex is a is a pretty rare voice of calm uh, and, and, you know, like basically just um, chill outness in the context of a uh, a media landscape that prioritizes extreme takes. However, I still think at the end of the day, the reason that the Bitcoin community is so interested and now regularly watches uh, Fed moves and macro market cuts and all these sort of things like it's baseball statistics or something is, um, is really well summed up in this tweet from Travis uh, Kling from May, where he says, central bankers have no plan to end the largest monetary policy experiment in human history. Uh, bullish and non-sovereign hard cap supply, global immutable, decentralized, digital store of value. So this, I think, is the, the real nut of it for, for people, is that um, whatever you think, whether you think the Fed's in control or not, um, there is no doubt that we are uh, sailing in uncharted waters and that this monetary policy, and the extension of, of quantitative easing from a short-term emergency scenario to just the name of the game uh, and all of the implications that have come with that is uncharted territory, uncharted waters. Um, and we don't know how it's going to play out. However, um, from a narrative perspective and potentially from a real perspective, uh, the fact that this asset offers so much that is basically opposite of the way that money functions in the context of today's central banks uh, is worth noting. And that's why Bitcoiners are paying attention to this. That's why crypto markets care what happens in the larger markets, um, but don't necessarily expect that to show up in price right away. Uh, That's kind of just not how these markets function yet. Um, With that, let's move on to number two for the day. So last week, we talked about uh, Binance US, Binance America coming to the US. The larger context for those of you who um, are out of the loop on it is that uh, a few months ago, Binance announced that it would be geoblocking US users of Binance.com. This came after an announcement that they would be geoblocking users of the Binance DEX. Um, and uh, there was obviously outcry binance has been a huge driver of activity. it's one of the most popular exchanges in the world um, popular in the US because that's where a lot of the liquidity for uh, altcoins in particular comes from and so the the they came back quickly and said you know but binance US is launching um, binance us being a fully regulated compliant offering uh, and when they first or sort of I guess a, a couple months into the announcement they listed a set of about 30 assets that they were considering for, Binance US. Um, uh, but they didn't commit to any of those. And then last week, when they um, announced that it would be going live this week, they also shared which particular uh, assets were going to be listed. And it was basically exactly what you would have expected. It was Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, Litecoin, Tether, and Ripple. Um, And so... Uh, A lot of folks, you know, I had a lot of different conversations on Twitter and uh, based on the three-on-three about this. And one of the biggest questions, probably the biggest question, was why would people in the U.S. switch? If they're using Coinbase Pro or they're using Kraken or whatever they're using, right, already, uh, why would they switch to this? Now, some people's answer was... uh, was just that there would be likely to be lower rates, right? And sure enough, uh, Binance announced that there's or lower fees, excuse me. Uh, and sure enough, Binance when they um, went went live or they opened registrations today, there's no fees. I think through November and even after that, I think that the fees are um, are, are lower than anyone else or comparatively low to anyone else, right? So they're competing on the on the fees standpoint. But um, one of the big questions for people was, and really I think the biggest one is, is what is going to be different about what I have access to through this platform versus other exchanges? Um, With the biggest elephant in the room beyond a shadow of a doubt being uh, BNB, Binance token itself, right? Binance coin itself. And um, they had made no mention of, of BNB Last week at all. Uh, but today, when they announced this, so this is a tweet from Catherine Coley who's running Binance US. Um, boom. There in the picture, it's all six of those assets that we talked about before, plus BNB, uh, just sitting there brightly shining as the reason for uh, for people to come, come in and, and experiment with Binance US. Um, CZ uh, reinforced this. He said 10 minutes ago, Binance America went live with BNB support. Uh, interestingly, um, oh yeah, so here's the zero trading fees. Uh, I'm going through tweets for those of you who are listening, apologies. So yeah, zero trading fees on Binance US, standing by our values of reducing the barrier to digital adoption um digital asset adoption we are lifting all fees for trading at launch zero fees until november 1st uh this was only available in um most of the us there's still 13 states that are excluded uh based on regulation um so uh, there's uh, a lot going on here i mean for me the uh the interesting question is um (laughs) What went into the consideration of BNB being listed on this, right? Theoretically, this is Binance's regulated offering uh, that plays by the US rules. Um, And there aren't a lot of folks, I don't think, in kind of the crypto legal core who would be making an argument or who make an argument that BNB uh, is not a security, right? It seems to fit a lot of the um, qualifications of a security. And certainly, based on the uh the 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 reactions the responses the um just the actions i guess to date the sentiment to date uh, from the sec it doesn't seem to me to be um they they're not in a generous forgiving mood let's say right it's still kind of one of the more uh you know um up in the air but certainly not uh, super favorable um regulatory regimes as it relates to a willingness to look around securities law. Um, So one of two things is going on. Either one, uh, in their conversations with regulators, Binance has become convinced that there's a strong, compelling Argument that they're both willing to make, and they think that regulators will respond to that BNB is not a security. Um, That would be a big thing. The second is that they are willing to play, uh, the second possibility is that they're willing to play some amount of regulatory arbitrage uh, and make a go for it. Um, and, uh, and so that's pretty, pretty interesting on either, regardless of which of those two scenarios is, is closer to right. Um, it could be a balance of both. It could be something else that I'm not anticipating, but it seems to me that those are the two possible explanations, but either way, significance for the market is, um, is that all of a sudden Binance US, uh, does offer something that's pretty fundamentally different than, um, any other. Uh, exchange in the US, which is access to what was basically you know one of, if not the best performing token during the downturn. So um, Binance US, it is live and BNB is there with it. With that, let's move on to our final topic for today, which is a Bitcoin ETF withdrawal. So uh, Bitcoin ETFs have been you know a huge topic of conversation for the last 12 months 18 months um you know for those who are really excited about and looking toward an ETF uh it represents a the next level of institutional adoption of institutional ex- acceptance uh it could allow people to you know different types of companies different types of institutions to get exposure to bitcoin it suggests or it would suggest a maturity in the market uh having an uh, the SEC approve um, a an ETF uh, has signals in terms of their beliefs about the maturity of Bitcoin as an asset. Um, so there's all these sort of things. Now there are some people who uh, don't or don't think that ETFs are a good idea for other reasons. That's kind of beyond the scope of what I'm looking at today. Um, but the uh, the the point here in the story here is that yesterday VanEck and SolidX. Um, withdrew their Bitcoin ETF proposal. Um, this is widely seen as one of the most uh, likely successful uh, ETF proposals. Eck was uh, the the company behind the first gold ETF, so they have a long term uh, you know record in the space. They have long term relationships with these set of regulators, um, and so you know the fact that they withdrew this uh, means that. Um, means that basically it's it's unlikely that their their indications were that uh, they were not going to get it through and they wanted to withdraw this rather than have that stamp of no Uh, now. These guys are moving forward. Um, so Gabor from VanEck, uh he tweeted after, he said, we are committed to support Bitcoin and Bitcoin-focused financial innovation. Bringing to market a physical, liquid, and insured ETF remains a top priority. We continue to work closely with regulators and market participants to get one step closer every day. Um, speaking of one step closer, uh, VanEck, uh did... Create kind of. They started offering shares of a trust, which is almost like an ETF light. Some people have said uh, a couple a couple weeks ago. So they're clearly not giving up on this. They're not moving, but it does mean uh, that um, right now the the signals around an ETF. Are looking worse than they did, you know, a few months ago potentially, or maybe maybe they're the same. You know, there's some people who were highly skeptical that an ETF was going to get passed anytime soon, uh, but it's certainly an indication of where the U.S. regulatory mind is right now. Um, <clears throat> Jake summed this up. Jake Chervinsky he said, Vanek withdrew its Bitcoin ETF proposal today, presumably expecting that the SEC would reject it next month. Bitwise's proposal is still pending for now and due for a final decision on October 13th. My best guess, there will be no Bitcoin ETF in 2020. 2019. This is kind of Mike Dudas. Got a quote from Bitwise as well. So these guys are the the one remaining ETF proposal. Um, And they said, getting approval for new and novel ETFs has been a multi-year process, so we're not surprised by the withdrawal. We continue to work on our filing and through our research to answer all of the substantial questions that the SEC has raised. So these guys are basically saying, like, look, this is a long process. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, This is uh, setbacks, not failures. Keep moving forward. Um, For me, in terms of what it means for us and those of you guys who are listening or watching the three at three, I think that the the most important thing is just, uh, it's one little piece of evidence, one indicator of where US regulators are right now, um, and they are not ready for a Bitcoin ETF. So make of that what you will. Uh, But with that, let's get back to the macro markets. What's gonna happen next? Uh, How are the markets gonna respond to these rate cuts? What is the narrative going to be around, uh, around the repo action? Um, those are the questions that are uh, kind of engaging me right now. And so let's go watch. Um, thanks guys for listening, for hanging out, for watching, and I will be back tomorrow. Peace.